Pope St. John Paul II said that discovering Christ always again and always more fully is the most wonderful adventure of our life. Blazing the Trail is a weekly conversation where we talk about this adventure with courage and hope while sharing stories about what the Holy Spirit is doing in Western Oregon and beyond. And welcome back to Blazing the Trail here on Mater Day Radio. I'm your host, Miriam Marston. It is wonderful to be with you all each week. And every few months, we change things up a little bit, and we offer an episode with some music and reflection. And this time, we're going to do an expanded reflection on a very famous passage from the Gospel of John. In particular, we're zeroing in on John 3.16, and we'll look at these words through the lens of evangelization. In March of 2021, Pope Francis visited the Philippines on the occasion of the 500th anniversary of Christianity arriving in the Philippines. So his homily at the Mass focused on those magnificent words from the Gospel of John, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. So let's turn to the words of the Holy Father. This is the heart of the Gospel. This is the source of our joy. The Gospel message is not an idea or a doctrine. It is Jesus Himself the Son whom the Father has given us so that we might have life. Jesus is the source of our joy, not some lovely theory about how to find happiness, but the actual experience of being accompanied and loved throughout the journey of life. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Brothers and sisters, let us dwell on these two thoughts for a moment. God so loved and God gave. First of all, God so loved. Jesus' words to Nicodemus, a Jewish elder who wanted to know the Master, help us to see the true face of God. He has always looked at us with love, and for the sake of love He came among us in the flesh of His Son. In Jesus He went in search of us when we were lost. In Jesus He came to raise us up when we fell. In Jesus, He wept with us and healed our wounds. In Jesus, He blessed our life forever. The Gospel tells us that whoever believes in Him will not perish. In Jesus, God spoke the definitive word about our life. You are not lost. You are loved. Loved forever. If hearing the gospel and practicing our faith does not enlarge our hearts and make us grasp the immensity of God's love, maybe because we prefer a glum, sorrowful, and self-absorbed religiosity, then this is a sign that we need to stop and listen once more to the preaching of the good news. God loves you so much that He gave you His entire life. He is not a God who looks down upon us from on high, indifferent but a loving Father who becomes part of our history. He is not a God who takes pleasure in the death of sinners, but a Father concerned that that no one be lost. He is not a God who condemns, but a Father who saves us with the comforting embrace of His love. The Holy Father continues, We now come to the second aspect. God gave His Son. Precisely because He loves us so much, God gives Himself, He offers us His life. 
Those who love always go out of themselves. Don't forget this. Those who love go out of themselves. Love always offers itself, gives itself, expends itself. That is the power of love. It shatters the shell of our selfishness, breaks out of our carefully constructed security zones, tears down walls and overcomes fears so as to give freely of itself. That is what love does. It gives itself. And that is how lovers are. They prefer to risk self-giving over self-preservation. That is why God comes to us, because He so loved us. His love is so great that He cannot fail to give Himself to us. When the people were attacked by poisonous serpents in the desert, God told Moses to make the bronze serpent. In Jesus, however, exalted on the cross, He Himself came to heal us of the venom of death. He became sin to save us from sin. God does not love us in words. He gives us His Son so that whoever looks at Him and believes in Him will be saved. The more we love, the more we become capable of giving. That is also the key to understanding our life. It is wonderful to meet people who love one another and share their lives in love. We can say about them what we say about God. They so love each other that they give their lives. It is not only what we can make or earn that matters. In the end, it is the love we are able to give. Sometimes we look for joy where it is not to be found, in illusions that vanish, in dreams of glory, in the apparent security of material possessions, in the cult of our image, and in so many other things. But life teaches us that true joy comes from realizing that we are loved gratuitously, knowing that we are not alone, having someone who shares our dreams and who, when we experience shipwreck, is there to help us and lead us to safe harbor. Pope Francis concludes, Dear brothers and sisters, 500 years have passed since the Christian message first arrived in the Philippines. You received the joy of the gospel, the good news that God so loved us that He gave His Son for us. And this joy is evident in your people. We see it in your eyes, on your faces, in your songs, and in your prayers. In the joy with which you bring your faith to other lands. I have often said that here in Rome, Filipino women are smugglers of faith, because wherever they go to work, they sow the faith It is part of your genes, a blessed infectiousness that I urge you to preserve. Keep bringing the faith, the good news you received 500 years ago to others. I want to thank you then for the joy you bring to the whole world and to our Christian communities. In the footsteps of Mary and Joseph, for God loves to bring the joy of our faith through humble, hidden, courageous, and persevering service. On this very important anniversary for God's holy people in the Philippines, I also want to urge you to persevere in the work of evangelization, not proselytism, which is something else. The Christian proclamation that you have received needs constantly to be brought to others. The gospel message of God's closeness cries out to be expressed in love for our brothers and sisters. God desires that no one perish. 
For this reason, he asks the church to care for those who are hurting and living on the fringes of life. God so loves that he gives himself to us, and the church has this same mission. The church is called not to judge, but to welcome, not to make demands, but to sow seeds, not to condemn, but to bring Christ, who is our salvation. Never be discouraged as you walk this path. Never be afraid to proclaim the gospel, to serve and to love. With your joy, you will help people to say of the church, too, she so loved the world. Again, that was from Pope Francis's homily during his visit to the Philippines in March 2021 as the country celebrated 500 years of Christianity. And while it did take extraordinary courage and faith and spiritual generosity, the Filipino people did not arrive at this remarkable milestone entirely through their own efforts. In his apostolic exhortation, Evangelii Gaudium, Pope Francis writes, Though it is true that this mission demands great generosity on our part, it would be wrong to see it as a heroic individual undertaking, for it is first and foremost the Lord's work, surpassing anything which we can see and understand. Jesus is the first and greatest evangelizer. In every activity of evangelization, the primacy always belongs to God, who has called us to cooperate with Him and who leads us on by the power of His Spirit. The real newness is the newness which God Himself mysteriously brings about and inspires, provokes, guides, and accompanies in a thousand ways. The life of the church should always reveal clearly that God takes the initiative that He has loved us first, and that He alone gives the growth. This conviction enables us to maintain a spirit of joy in the midst of a task so demanding and challenging that it engages our entire life. God asks everything of us, yet at the same time, He offers everything to us. So, I'm going to share a song that tries to capture this moment when Nicodemus has an encounter with Jesus, the first and greatest evangelizer. And during the course of that encounter, we're given this great refrain of John 3.16, and that's exactly what the song builds up to. So please listen, and we'll continue with the reflection after the song. to 
Gospel according to John. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. He came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you are doing unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Amen, amen, I say to you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can a person once grown old be born again? Surely he cannot re-enter his mother's womb and be born again, can he? Jesus answered, Amen, amen, I say to you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of flesh is flesh, and what is born of spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it wills, and you can hear the sound it makes, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. 
so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can this happen? Jesus answered and said to him, You are the teacher of Israel, and you do not understand this. Amen, amen, I say to you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but you people do not accept our testimony. If I tell you about earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has gone up to heaven except the one who has come down from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him might not perish, but might have eternal life. Again, that is from the third chapter in the Gospel according to John. So now let's have a brief meditation on a few of the themes we've looked at um, on today's episode. And I want you to imagine that you're standing um, on the threshold of a house, and behind you, there is the world that you know. And it might not be a perfect world, but it's familiar. And on most days, you think that's enough. But on the other side of this threshold, there's, there's someone calling your name gently, but persistently. You might have heard this voice through the dense fog of your busy days, through your crowded priorities and complicated relationships. When life seemed only to be a puzzle, you might have perceived whispers of this calling, words from afar which offered a clue to making sense of everything. And as we consider the the passage that I read from the Gospel of John, we can imagine that it was perhaps this voice that, that compelled Nicodemus to visit Jesus under the cover of night. And the imagery of the night is not insignificant. I mean, how many of us have approached Christ a bit sheepishly, afraid of what other people might think of our curiosity? So perhaps we come to Christ in the shadows, where we can't be seen or judged by others. Or perhaps we felt a little timid at the prospect of stepping into the presence of the Son of God. It would be like stepping under the brightest of lamps where we finally see ourselves for who we really are. And there is vulnerability in that. And it's, it's tempting to back away. We think, what will Christ demand of us? How can I be sure that whatever Christ asks of me is in fact what will make me happiest? And I'd like to think that we're in good company because Nicodemus peppers Jesus with questions too. How can a person be born again? How can this happen? You can hear the pleading in his voice. He wants to know. You and I want to know. Even the soul who hasn't prayed to God in years and feels a thousand miles away from him asks, How do I start over? How can I be happy? The conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus has has a certain tension about it. You can almost feel the back and forth going on within the heart and the mind of the Pharisee. And then the tension breaks, and Jesus speaks those precious words which have pierced through countless human defenses and barriers. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him might not perish, but might have eternal life. These words have transformed the lives of men and women across the ages. 
They've brought down tyrants. They've lifted up the poor. These words have given rise to martyrs, to fathers, mothers, priests, monks, nuns. We see them written cheerfully on the faces of athletes and on bumper stickers and posters. And we see them carved solemnly onto gravestones. And you'll note that in his declaration, Jesus doesn't offer Nicodemus a precise and detailed trajectory of his life. He doesn't tell us what will happen on the 17th of October or five years from now. And for an ambitious and plan-oriented society such as ours, we might find this unnerving. But the greatest plan has already been set into motion. All of creation is to be swept up into the heights and depths of God's love. A magnificent story is being told even in this very moment, and we are each and every one an indispensable character. Now, if there were emotion uh, associated with the lyrics of the song that I played, the postcard, it would be the movement from awkwardly bending down on one knee in a kind of reluctant uh, worship to singing praise to God while on both knees. And what's at work here is not just any ordinary source of inspiration. It takes a force greater than that to bring a man down onto his knees like that. But this is a point that we need to return to over and over again, that the breath which kindled the first glimmer of life in the universe is the same breath, the same spirit which flows through every moment of metanoia, every turning towards God. You will not find any greater power in all the cosmos. And even so, the arc of conversion is rarely perfectly smooth. Nor is it restricted to just one instant in the spiritual life. I mean, really, what would be the adventure in that? And of course, there are big milestones and breakthroughs, but who's to say that next Thursday you won't stumble onto a new way of drawing just a little bit closer to Christ? He waits for me to choose. Now, the Catechism of the Catholic Church tells us that we cannot be united with God unless we freely choose to love Him. God safeguards my freedom. He will not force my hand, even while He desires nothing less than for me to draw close to Him. At the same time, He, he doesn't allow Himself to be, to be caught. In his Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis writes that Aslan, who is a Christ figure in the story, is not a tame lion. In the same way, the truth of Christ is not tame. We cannot capture all the splendor of the incarnation and bottle it up. And we certainly cannot fashion it to fit our own wishes or agendas. This truth lives and has dwelt among us. This truth is the Christ, and He is the one who stands at the helm of our lives. And in our freedom, we stand by His side as we steer our ships to the safest and most glorious harbors. I include a line in the song that says, This is far beyond anything that just sounds nice. You know, Christianity is far more than a nice or pleasant way to spend our time. Men and women have not given their lives merely for the cause of being nice. And Jesus Christ is infinitely more than a nice man. Such men are not considered dangerous and and then crucified. And being nice, for sure, it can serve as a, a good departure point. But it's not the goal of the spiritual life. If someone at the table asks you for the salt and you give it to them with an extra wide smile, then that's great. You could be well on your way to being acquaintances. 
But oh, how Christ longs to be more than just acquaintances with us. He longs to see the fire of the Holy Spirit burn within our hearts, inspiring us to leap into action, boldly carrying the banner of charity into the world. And I believed what he said when he said that he would send all his love like a postcard from my best friend. These lyrics are certainly not an attempt to to trivialize the love that Christ has for us, but rather to, to illustrate the tenderness and the intimacy that accompanies a relationship with Him. You know, these days, postcards are especially valued, I think, since, you know, it's, it's convenient to send an email or a text message, but a postcard, it's a little more substantial. It's tangible. You can't exactly hold an email in your hands, right? And it's a note from someone who is far away, but even just reading their handwriting, the unique way they write their F's or T's, it gives you the sense that, that your friend is suddenly close by. With that postcard, you receive tidings from a far-off place, and Christ brings us the gladdest tidings of all, news from the kingdom of heaven. And we have learned through Christ that the kingdom isn't a far-off place after all, but resides rather in the hearts of the faithful, and which becomes manifest through every loving deed and word. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven." It's a prayer to carry us over that threshold as we continue to entrust our own lives and plans to the Lord who makes all things new. My prayer for you all this week is that you trust that Christ is there standing ready to answer our deepest questions just as he did with Nicodemus. And even when we come to him in a a spirit of uncertainty or timidity, he is still there. So I pray that we can open our hearts to the happy flood of His graces and that we can respond to the call to be an instrument of conversion for others. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please join me next week as we continue to faithfully blaze a trail here in Western Oregon. Until then, stay well and stay close to Christ. God bless you all. You've been listening to Blazing the Trail, produced through the studios of the Archdiocese of Portland. Join us in our mission to share the good news of Jesus Christ across Western Oregon by visiting archdpdx.org.